Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. It's been a while, Jack, but we are here. I am Bennett Conlon. You are Jack Fitzpatrick. All the good old things we love to say as we start these. Pretty exciting to be here and uh, talking a little baseball today. You know, that was a fantastic way to um, stall a little bit. As I figured this out, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. I'm on a hot streak in betting. I'm 4 0 yesterday, 7 2 on the week. Tail me for all my MLB picks. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball championship finals. I guess legally they're not allowed to say NBA finals. The NHL Hockey Conference finals. Um, They're also in the Stanley Cup now. Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of information. Uh, The most money at DRF Sportsbook and the most amount of bets is on Denver to go under their win total at 10.5. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's promo code B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, to get the bonus and get in on the action. Bet online where the game starts. And like you said, we have a lot of fantastic stuff to cover today from baseball extending Eikenberry through the 2024 season. We both um, were probably a little bit simmered down from our initial reactions of when it happened. But more importantly, can the Sun Belt become a two-bid men's basketball league yeah that'll uh <laughs> that'll be quite the discussion topic should we start with like uh we should and sorry for just throwing so much at you right there that was that that's was a not lot. too much i think that's all we've got today right we don't have any nothing's happening in football it's all that relevant i mean we could talk a little football there's always stuff to talk about with football but and and there will probably be a little bit of football talk splattered in amongst it all because somehow some way True. Kurt Signetti finds his way up into our conversations, but very true. Yeah, they are extending Marlon Eikenberry, head coach of the baseball team. So he'll have, you know, based on the contract, which I don't think they've actually finalized the contract. I think they just said that they were going to give him two additional years or at least a contract through then. I wonder if it's like a one year with a second year option or if it's truly like two full years. I'm imagining. if anything um but it's it's a little surprising actually because jeff born had given marlon eikenberry a lot of these like one-year deals and i assumed that after they kind of faded down the stretch they would not be thrilled about um the prospects of him leading the dukes into the sunbelt i was wrong uh i guess for me two years is better than one year but i was a little surprised uh that they did extend him it wouldn't be hilarious if right now they're trying to work out this contract and Jamie's trying to like pay him very little money because he's not, he hasn't really, his performance hasn't been up to standard. And like, I can be like, no, I deserve, like they're trying to take money off the table or something. I think that that'd be hilarious. I can't imagine it's going to go <laughs> any higher other than like inflation purposes. Like, I mean, I don't think it's, it's going to be a raise. <laughs> he hasn't, hasn't taken him to an NCAA tournament or like really even contended in the conference. And has this he ever year won? Has he ever won a CAA tournament series? I think he conference tournament win in like two 
back at VMI, but they're not, they're not good. Yeah, they're, they're not good. Um, yeah. So what was your initial thoughts on the extent? I want to hear your thoughts, your breakdown, your initial, like when you saw the news come through, what was your reaction? Kind of surprised, but like the longer it took from the end of the season, it kind of started to seem like, oh, maybe they're actually going to extend him. Cause if you didn't want to, you would have just um, announced that early and put yourself yeah. out there and then start searching. So the longer it took, it started to be like, oh, this is kind of weird. Um, so a little surprised, not like floored, because he hasn't been horrible. I mean, they're like an average team. It's not like he's, you know, been 20 games under 500 every year and they're like pathetic. I mean, they were within a run of Tennessee on the road in a game this year, almost beat a Maryland team that was really good. They've had some some good games and good performances. We've also touched on their not so great performances, but a little surprised and lean that way he seems very patient with coaches he was patient with lewis Rowe and patient with marlon eikenberry now i'd rather have the athletic director that's reasonably patient than one who's like overly reactionary um i also don't think marlon eikenberry is going to be the head coach in like five years so i don't know that it makes the most sense it seems like it would have made sense to move on but i i sort of get where he's coming from and i think they'll be kind of average for the next two years yeah, I think that's my takeaway is I don't think Eikenberry is the long-term solution, so why not just move on from him now? He's a great coach for like a VMI where he was before JMU. He's a great coach for lower-level you know, lower level D1 teams. I don't think he's the coach to lead them into the Sun Belt. Um, I hope I'm proven wrong. He's a fantastic guy by all accounts. Every player that you talk to about Marlon Eikenberry loves him. Every media member loves him. Um, not taking anything away from that perspective, but his results just haven't been there on the diamond. And as a JMU fan, I want results. I want, especially after what, six years of him coaching this team. And by the time this contract's up, he'll be done with his eighth year and he probably still will be hovering around 500. And if there's ever a time to move on, I'd argue it's a time of transition. Your team's not contending for a CAA title your team's not going to be contending for a Sunbelt title your team for sure isn't contending for a college world series berth so why not in this time of moving to Sunbelt move off of Eikenberry and try something new you don't need him to write the ship to hold it all steady like you do for Kurt Signetti in football because in my opinion and correct me if I'm wrong Bennett when you're moving divisions like this in football if your program takes a nosedive, it's really hard to get out of that nosedive um, in football specifically, but in almost every other sport, it's not as hard to get out of it. So why not take the transition? And if you nosedive, you're behind the eight ball for a year or two, but then you're right back at it. I mean, look at Byington. You're behind the eight ball for a few years with Roe, but then he comes in and immediately wins you the CAA regular season. So why don't you take that chance on baseball? Yeah, it's, it's a little confusing. And he, so he's technically had seven years, but it's more like six seasons basically. Cause like two of them are really short, but his best record in, in conference play, he had a 13 and 11 season, his first year. And then they were 12 and 11 this year. They've never been more than two games over 500 uh, in CAA play uh, the 31 and 26 season they had in 2019 was their best, like overall win total under him. I think the thing that confuses me is there are some fans who say like the move to the Sun Belt, playing better competition, you can get better recruits, 
they're going to make a step forward. I don't understand why they would just get better playing harder teams. That doesn't make any sense to me. How do they get better recruits? How do you, how do you, the CAA is also not a terrible baseball league. I think they can get, if you have like multiple teams consistently getting into regionals and stuff. So I don't, I don't hate that argument. It's just like, they gave him a two-year deal. So those recruits are going to commit, which they typically do in baseball in like eighth, ninth, or 10th grade. <laughs> so by the time the contract's up, the recruits won't even be at the school. And then you also like, why is playing a harder baseball team going to make a team that's underachieved suddenly achieve higher? That didn't make any sense to me. There's that logic that like, they'll step it up here. They, they know they got to raise their level. It's like that. I don't think they're going to raise their level. I think yeah. they're now going to play in a harder conference and be more games below 500. I just think they're going to be really, really average, even though they have some good talent coming back. So hopefully I'm wrong and they do get better. And I, I understand Jeff Bourne giving it a little more time, but I'm, I don't really think it's going to work out that well. Okay. So I have a comparison that I want to run by you. Um, tell me I'm stupid if it's stupid, but Tennessee baseball. Yeah. They just had their season ended against Notre Dame in the super regional and heartbreaking fashion. One of the upsets of the year, blah, 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 blah. But before they brought in, can you pronounce his last name for me? Tony. I think it's Vitello. Vitello. I'm just terrible with, I'm terrible at pronunciation. So Tony Vitello, um, he's 190 and 75 since taking over in, in June of 2017. So he's coached the 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22 seasons, right? He's 190 and 75. This season, he brought them to be the best team in baseball. They're 57 and nine. He's taken them to the College World Series. They've had a lot of success since he took over. He took over for Dave Serrano, who coached from 2012 to 2017. 157 and 163 record. You see where I'm going with this? He never really took the team to the next step. There was always that promise. There was always that hope. They always had that talent and competing in a good SEC baseball league, but he never had a winning record in the SEC and only had a winning a record above 500. One, two, three, three of his years. He resigns, quote unquote resigns. Um, and then they hire Tony Vitello and Tony Vitello makes them the best team in the nation. So that's all I have to say. Sometimes it's okay to move on from someone who has the promise of hope. Yeah, I think it's, it's I mean, there's a pretty good argument they could get a better coach and, and be better. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they're going to be Tennessee, but I hear what you're saying about like. No, they'll they, never be Tennessee. And yeah, that comparison's on the complete other end of the spectrum. Tennessee has money. They have the, the, right. the high, high end. Faci- they have all of that. That's, that's the end of the spectrum, but it just shows that like, it's a program that was underachieving with about a 500 record coach. They move off. He quote unquote resigns. They move off of him. They kind of make us, he was an assistant. Didn't he had a couple stops and they hire Tony Vitello and they take off and they become this great team. Yeah. It seemed like after a certain amount of time, they were kind of sick kind of the the question when is long enough to be like hey we think we can be better at baseball and it's a worthwhile investment because right now it doesn't seem like they're uh they're in a direction where they're going to like make a regional or be hosting a regional or hosting a super regional yeah because that's that almost seems more doable in baseball because there is like more respect in in data and all these things for mid-major teams whereas in softball jmu was like running the table in the ca and people were like i don't know 
they're maybe the three seed in their four team regional and then they like make the women's college world series <laughs> and win games. So it's baseball. I think it's a little easier as a mid major to actually make some, some noise and softball have the benefit of playing in the Sun Belt too, which will help a little bit, but yeah, at a certain point, don't you want to like be a team that could have a really good baseball team? And what's that going to take? Hopefully it happens under Eikenberry. It'd be really cool. I just, there's nothing it's hard to like project that when there's nothing in his past that makes you think that's actually going to happen. It was the same with, with Rose, like, wow, they're bringing back Lewis. They got Darius Ben. And then you watch the games and you're like, what the, what the hell's going on? Like, why is it not, not clicking? And maybe you need a, a new person. And again, they haven't been quite as bad as they were like the basketball team was in the row era, but like even the row teams had flashes where like a few things go their way and they actually could have put together like a decent season. I don't think they were that far off in terms of like talent and competitiveness, some seasons. So it's, I don't know. It's like, they're close, but are they ever going to take a next step? Who knows? Hopefully they're also losing chase DeLotter and Travis reef Snyder, two of the best players on the team. Um, And I don't know who they're replacing them with. Like reef Snyder was one of the best catchers in the CAA tore up the Valley league when he played there. And now he's leaving to go to UVA. Delauder's going to the MLB draft looks like the 17th best prospect. So you just lost a lot of, and I know Delauder was out of the lineup a lot last season due to injuries, but still you've lost a lot of talent over the last couple of years to MLB teams and other teams. Connor Hardigan was making noise at Virginia tech with their run. Like you've lost a lot of talent and you haven't filled those gaps. So yeah, he might be a great recruiter, but where has he been recruiting these last couple of years too? I have a lot more questions than I have answers. And for that reason, I'm going to have to be out if this was American <laughs> Idol. This is a no for me, talk. And the other uh, the other issue I had too a little bit was the Jeff Bourne. He had a thing in his statement that was like, you know, we lost Chase to Lauder. And that was really tough. It was also what, sorry to interrupt, but it was also what all the fans and and media were saying. Like, yeah, they were banged up by injuries, but not really that badly in my opinion. Yeah, you lost Chase Slaughter, but like, why is your program resting on the the health of one specific player? I don't know. It's a little bit like, yeah, I mean. We lost Chase Delauder, so we'll just go back to the drawing board, get some under-recruited kid who puts on like 40 pounds when he gets here and becomes a first-round prospect. Like, like ah, yeah, sustainable. Same questions you can have for like softball when it's like yeah. Odyssey and Megan Good and Jalen Ford were all woefully under-recruited. It's like at a certain point, that strategy is not going to work. You can't just get like a two-star kid that people missed on when they become the best pitcher in the country. Like that, at a certain point, that stops working. And I think you – maybe saw that a little bit where they like some of the, the like younger pitchers for Jamie softball, maybe weren't like quite as good as they expected. And there's still development. They have some really good recruits in the pipeline, which I think they've realized like, Hey, let's go get some four and five stars. We can do it now. Cause we had this great run. Thanks to those under recruited gems. But like the Delauder thing was weird to me. It's like, we're going to sign him to two years, two more years. Cause Chase Delauder missed 20 games. What? He's been the coach for seven seasons. <laughs> And like, and I like he's correct that losing Chase DeLauder obviously does not help because he was murdering people, like playing really well. But at the same time, it I don't know. It's like you can't be. It's just the excuses. I don't know. I don't. I don't love the. Just rest on it. Like men's basketball at times this year, they're like, ah, oh, man, we had had a COVID pause, so three months later, we still stink. It's like what? 
like sometimes you can be slightly accountable with like the coaches, the team's performance and things like that. If you want to extend him, fine. But the whole, like there were injuries and, you know, and, and all this, like you still had a pretty good team available. And sometimes the issue is the pitching staff gave up 13 runs. And like, I know Chase a sometimes pitched, but he wasn't, he wasn't like their ace or anything. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't someone they were, throwing out there a ton at the end i don't know like the the pitching staff wasn't horrible at times but at the same time they be expected more out of them they still hit the ball fairly well i thought i don't know it was just a weird thing to be like yeah well chase the water's gone so we stink now and also like um the the weird thing to me and it's kind of why i give basketball the pass um it's like you had no chance of getting an at-large bid in basketball. So I get why you didn't care in the last two months of the season. Baseball, you competed with Tennessee, one of the best teams in the league, in the nation. You beat Virginia Tech, right? Uh, they beat one, beat them one of the games, I think. I want to say they went like one and one against them or something. So you beat Virginia Tech one game. Like you're showing these flashes of being an elite level team. And in baseball, I feel like if you just put together a good run, you could have gotten a spot in a regional somewhere. Like you were playing for a lot more like that because basketball, there was no shot. You're getting an at large. If you don't win your league baseball, there was a shot you're playing in postseason, and they still poop the bed to finish out the year, which I know it was already out of the question, but like, you poop the bet against Quinnipiac, for goodness sake. And like basketball had a pretty cool season. They won some big games. And yeah. like, like stoked at the year they had. And even like baseball wasn't a bad year. And it was a hard year with like COVID and the CAA ban. And obviously some of the stuff that went on with the softball program, I imagine um, with Lauren Burnett impacted some of the baseball players too. So like, I, I totally understand that it was like a hard, tough year and you want to bring, I can bury back and all that stuff. It's also at a certain point. Um, I don't know, like coaches are pretty much judged on, on wins and losses at the college and pro levels. Like that's, it's kind of what you need to do. So at a certain point, and I think now in the Sun Belt, they need to be more competitive and they have to win games. They have some pieces to do that. I just, I find it weird when you're extending, like if you're Jeff Bourne, I, I don't know. I mean, like you got to say what you got to say but to have your explanation part of it saying that this kid who developed it is something they had no idea would have ever possibly happened. Getting hurt is like a reason they're giving us an excuse. And again, it's like, yeah, if the best player gets hurt, I hear you, that makes sense. But it like in some situations, Matt Lewis getting hurt for basketball, like he's a G league player. It made sense. Like I think they thought when he came in and developed, he could have gotten to that level. Chase a surprised everyone with how good he became. So I don't know. It's just a weird line in there. I thought where that everyone was reciting. It was like, <laughs> they lost a lotter. And that's why they're hundred. He was 153 and 159 over seven seasons. Does uh, make any sense? Does it make any sense? It makes no sense. I'm still confused why he got a, a two year extension. I guess it's better than a one year, but a zero year would have been the best moving on from all of that talk, especially because he, he wasn't under contract. So it's a two year. And I would love next year because I, I do think now it's like you really have to win like it's not like you can just yeah mess around in the ca but like you really have to win this year they would have actually been competitive like toward the top of the CA standings and maybe had a chance in the conference tournament so that part makes it kind of hard to judge i understand that 
but I'd also love like a more coherent plan of like how they're going to get better. And he doesn't actually owe that to the fans, but it'd be interesting. Cause like question when he was like, yeah, I'm going to stop. We got our A starter. We got our B starter. He goes three innings. And then he goes three innings and he goes two innings and he goes one inning. It's like, why is And nobody questioned it. They're just like, Marlon Eikenberry has an interesting philosophy for pitching. It was like, maybe we should question that the team that occasionally gives up like 14 runs in a game has a nonsensical pitching plan. Yeah, I agree. I mean, these are all great (laughs) points. I'm not arguing with you at all. I I agree wholeheartedly. Just gets me heated. It's like, tell me a way they're going to get better. We talked about it. The value loves baseball, Jack. It, they should it also they should be better baseball. It also, I wish, and I'm not trying to point the fingers at the the Harrisonburg media by any means, but like point them, point all your fingers. I just wish they asked harder questions and they were not meaner to him, but like put the microscope on him a little bit harder because it feels like they let him off the hook where they're just like, yeah, his pitching philosophy is interesting. Ask him why are you doing that, and after you allow 13 runs what's going on with your pitching staff? Like, is it, is it your philosophy? Ask him why is no one filling the role of chase to lot or at least halfway? Why, why'd you lose reefs? Not like all of these things. I just want the microscope put on, put on him a little bit harder. It was, they kind of did the same with Lewis Rowe. He was such a nice guy. And I think it's because Marlon Eikenberry is such a nice guy that they just, they don't ask him the really tough questions. And I would just love to have the really tough questions asked of Eikenberry. And I think they got a little bit toward the end when I guess it was Wallfish was there. I feel like he was asking some good yeah. row ones that were like getting get pretty intensive <laughs> at times. If I have that correct with who was on the beat at the right time. It was Wallfish like, there, yep. They went into this, the the end stretch. Remember, they were talking about how they might get 30 wins. They might have the best year under Eikenberry. And then they were swept by Hofstra. <laughs> they gave up 15 runs in the series finale. Maryland beat them 12 to 2. UNC took two of three from them. So they went, whatever that is, four, five, yeah, six out of their last seven, they lost. It's like, well, the season's over. I, I just think it's surprising that there's not a lot of follow-up that like, hey, they've talked so much about being this like widespread, great athletic department and the baseball team, which feels like one that's pretty relevant compared to some others, isn't really performing at a standard that looks like it'll work in the Sun Belt. Yeah, the standard is the standard. You know, the standard's the standard. So you just got to keep it up to the standard. <laughs> the standard is the standard. I forget what some of the other ones they they've been saying. There's a new one that like football teams have been saying that's like repeating the same thing, but I forget what it is. UVA did the more you can do, the more you can do. I like that one a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. If you can make the shot, you can make the shot. It just doesn't. So moving on from all of those, from all that baseball talk, let's go into a little bit of basketball. We have a question. So hit me with the question, Bennett. You're the one that uh, saw it. I did. I did see. Um, It's Robert Lamb, who has asked us some questions before. Uh, He was referring to Shane Matlin's three-part series on Sunbelt men's basketball, which is an interesting read for the DNR. Uh, kind of asking our thoughts on the Sun Belt men's basketball becoming a multi-bid league. No. Um, he said, Garrett was saying he probably doesn't think it could be done in the near future, but you never know in the uh, long term. Uh, I do. And he it, said won't, he, it won't ever happen. He was, he was saying, I'm sure it'll be a big difference um, in the league trying to improve its stock, or at least there's a league um, 
that is trying to improve its stock where like the Sunbelt had people in the articles addressing it. Whereas um, like the CAA probably would just be like, I don't know. We show up, we play basketball sometimes. If fans show up, great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what are your thoughts on uh, a two-bid men's basketball Sunbelt? No. Like it's so hard to be a multi-bid league. Like the A-10 struggles to be like a three-bid league at times. Um, and they have a lot of good teams from top to bottom. They're, they're getting kind of pushed out of the tournament. Um, WCC has been a one-bid league as of recently. Um, and I'd argue they're the best mid-major league, maybe next to the A-10. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I don't see a path forward for the Sun Belt becoming a multi-bid league unless JMU, and this might be Homerism coming out, unless JMU takes some unrealistic leap forward where they can get an at-large bid without winning the Sun Belt. That's the only path I see, much like how Gonzaga runs the WCC, where sometimes the only way they can be a multi-bid, te- multi-bid league is if they lose in the conference tournament. I don't see it consistently getting an at-large outside of JMU. And I say JMU because it seems like they're the only ones that value basketball near, if not the same level of football. Yeah. Yeah. I think like ODU and Marshall have some level of commitment. So maybe there are some that could help step up. Um, and I'm going to summarize the articles way too. It's more nuanced than this. And there's like good insights in the articles, but some of it re- legitimately boils down to like, you have to put money into the basketball program. You have to go win a lot of basketball games against good teams. And then you become a multi-bid league. And that's not like groundbreaking, right? Like, how do you get more teams in the NCAA tournament? You, you get better basketball teams, like, <laughs> right? Like San Francisco at some of these WCC teams got better. St. Mary's has been good. Gonzaga has developed over the last decade from like a really, really good team to like an elite program, even though they don't have a national title yet. So how do you like become a multi-bid league? You have to have like a little more depth in the conference. And then the top has to be really, really good because you have some other leagues that occasionally have two teams. What is it? The where do Murray State and Belmont play? Is that like OVC? OVC. Yeah. Like that you can maybe get two in but Belmont kind of got screwed by really, really a uh, weak league among other things. So you have to be good at basketball. More teams have to be good, <laughs> good at basketball. That's not going to happen in like the near future. I don't think. Yeah. You can't have your third best team in your conference being a quad four loss. Right. And, and that's, that's what it is right now in the Sun Belt. And I also say JMU, I'm trying to defend my homerism here because I feel like JMU, maybe even ODU and Marshall, they're capable of scheduling like a Maryland, a Virginia Tech, a UVA, a UNC, a Wake Forest at times, a Duke more consistently than some other schools. I mean, maybe even App State, but it seems like JMU wants to do that. We've seen them schedule UVA just past year. They schedule Mason almost every year. Like they're willing to go out and take on bigger non-con games. Um, So yeah, not only do you have to have a better basketball team, your team has to be willing to schedule hard, um, rack up quad one wins. And I don't know if I necessarily see that happening in the Sun Belt anytime soon or ever. No, I think the other thing that's probably worth noting here as a former beat reporter 
is it's June. None of the teams are playing. So you got to like come up with content to like fill your weekly stuff. <laughs> and it's a pretty cool idea and like interesting read. But if you call like Coastal Carolina's head coach or Marshall's head coach and say, I want to talk to you about being a multi-bid league, they're not going to get up there and say like, <laughs> we're never going to be a multi-bid league. You know what I mean? Like they're all going to give you sort of the, like, yeah, we want to do that. We'd love to become a multi-bid league and all these things. But putting that into practice is very hard. Like I feel like we heard Sean O'Regan talk so many times over the years on various interviews about like wanting the CA women's basketball to become a multi-bid league and how it was close. It never like came to fruition. It was just like a thing that people want. Yeah. So I think, so of course, if you're in the Sun Belt, you would like your team to make the NCAA tournament and bring more money to the conference and more money to your school. Of course, all of that makes sense, but it doesn't actually mean that any of that has any legitimate chance of happening. I think for JMU, the focus shouldn't be like, God, I hope Texas State keeps this up and builds something here so we can get a three-bid league. I think the goal should just be like, let's be the best team in the Sun Belt and get the auto bids and win a bunch of games and build a basketball program because the Sun Belt move had nothing to do with basketball. So you got to kind of do it on your own, I feel like, for a little bit. Also, would you say the CAA, I, like, would you say the CAA is ever going to be a two-bid league? Probably not. And right. the Sun Belt is a worse basketball conference <laughs> than the CAA is. Like, Texas State, Texas. And they were like, they were the best. I, think, I want to say they were the best, like, Ken Palm team in the league, but everyone was like below 100. It's not like they're close to being a two bid league, right? Like, you watch a they're lot of nowhere, major basketball. The CAA is closer <laughs> to being a two bid league because the CAA had Towson, which at one point was like 60 in Ken Palm. And like, they weren't the number one team in the CAA. Like, the CAA is much closer to being a two bid basketball league than the Sun Belt ever is. And I can say that with certainty because the Sun Belt doesn't get any games on any network other than ESPN Plus. Meanwhile, the CAA at least gets a weekly game on CBS Sports Network, which is a really low bar yeah, that we're going to compare. It's just they're not anywhere close. Like I think that's the part that I'm, I'm trying to drive home. It's like it's yeah. an interesting idea and a long-term vision but they're not actually close. Cause yeah, you're someone who's watched a lot of college basketball. And like, if you take the top Sunbelt team and send them to play David Roddy in Colorado state, they're getting whacked. Yeah, it probably I, wouldn't end well. <laughs> I would argue if you take the top Sunbelt team this past season and put them against Towson, they would have been waxed. If you put them against Hofstra, they would have been waxed. If you put them against UNC Wilmington, they would have been waxed. Like, the top third of the CAA was much better than the top third of the Sun Belt, like much better. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a long way to climb. I would not expect. Well, it's, I think that's another thing too that like JMU basketball fans probably need to get a better national landscape understanding. I think that would be beneficial to like fans and how they do. Remember last year, it was like the third game of the season. They like beat Eastern Kentucky, or maybe it was the second game on that. Like Charles Fallen put back at large, like, at, at large, large hopes are alive. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah, at that large was, hopes were alive going out of non conference play. They were slim, but they were alive and they had if to they run like the table. ran the table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second they lost the first game of CAA play or whatever it was, it was just like, and fans yeah, were like, the first well, if, if they win out from here, there's still a chance. <laughs> no, there's no chance. A CAA quad seven loss, which isn't even a quad. <laughs> isn't 
you're automatically eliminated from any discussion. Yeah. <laughs> um, expectation for what basketball will be compared to what football could be compared to what any of the other sports could be, but they're, they're not close to being a multi-bit league. Obviously that would be cool, but I think literally every mid-major league well, not probably not all of them, but a lot of the ones that are like in that level yeah, love to talk about that. And there'll be summer stories about how the coaches are like, yeah, I think we could do it. If just, if seven of the teams that typically suck and have make no commitment to basketball and have no fan base, turn this around. Oh, we'd be a, a good mid-major. All right. From all of that talk, um, we have five, four and a half minutes left on our Zoom meeting. Um, it's worth mentioning that coming up in football time, we'll be live streaming our recording of podcasts um, on Twitter. So if you listen to this podcast, I imagine you follow our Twitter, but just keep an eye on that coming in around August when we can start really diving into it. We'll be having um, position breakdown, position previews like we have the last two seasons. So a lot of exciting stuff coming up on the pipeline. Anything else you need to add, Bennett, before we get up on out of here? Sunbelt spring meetings happened like a week ago. Okay. They announced that they will eventually sponsor uh, women's swimming and diving and field hockey. So those two JMU programs will have a home in the Sunbelt. And then women's lacrosse would be the one that's on the outside in the American Athletic. But that's a pretty good spot to be on the outside quick question for you keep this answer 20 seconds or less do you think they sunbelt created those two conferences because of jmu i think it could have certainly played a role i think they're probably one that like helped push it and they added beach volleyball don't know who's pushing that one but it'd be Me. sick if jmu got a beach volleyball team um i have four years of eligibility i think it definitely helps that they're adding some programs that, that probably have those already yeah perfect for Bennett Conlon, my name is Jeff Fitzpatrick. Thank you guys for tuning in to the DU Wrong Podcast, to the JMU Sports <laughs> News Podcast presented by Bet Online. Have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. <laughs>